On June 2nd of 2018, a six-foot-wide asteroid entered the atmosphere over Botswana. The asteroid disintegrated miles above the surface of southern Africa and created a bright fireball that lit up the night sky. The whole thing was caught on a security camera stationed outside a farmhouse. You can watch it on YouTube. You may not have known about this event in Botswana. I didn't. In fact, no one did at first. Astronomers detected the small asteroid just eight hours before it struck Earth's atmosphere. Asteroid detection is a challenge, even when you have the best and most sophisticated imaging equipment, the kind that NASA and other international space agencies have. With sufficient observation, NASA can predict the path of near-Earth objects with some certainty, for up to about 100 years, and determine whether an asteroid is coming closer to Earth or moving further away. But they can't detect every single object. The Botswana asteroid was only six feet wide. About 4,700 potentially hazardous asteroids have been tracked by NASA, and these measure larger than 100 meters in size. To spot them requires a community, one made up of everyone from NASA professionals to amateur astronomers to national laboratories, scientists, and engineers. In this episode of Here's an Idea, we'll speak to three of them, a chief scientist providing grants to eager amateurs, an astrophysicist testing out an asteroid-deflecting hammer of sorts, and NASA's very own planetary defense officer. So here's an idea. Asteroids. In many ways, Lindley Johnson has a standard office job, working as a program manager. Here's Lindley. Typical day for me. Um, this is a lot like uh, any other office job, but I mean, one of the first things I do in the morning is uh, I look at uh, what I call the uh, catch of the night. These are objects that have come in overnight from observatories searching the sky for asteroids. It's Lindley's job to keep an eye on these. Actually, he might have one of the coolest job titles I've ever seen, Planetary Defense Officer. I'm Lindley Johnson. I'm the Planetary Defense Officer here at uh, NASA headquarters. I oversee a, a program that NASA has for detection and tracking characterization of asteroids that uh, uh, can pass near the Earth. Uh, and if one is uh, uh, found to be on a hazardous trajectory or could impact the Earth at uh, some point in the future, uh, figuring out what we might uh, do about that. He's one of a vast network of people who've made it their mission to track and characterize asteroids, to even find a way to deflect them off course if necessary. Observatories around the world report potentially hazardous objects to a facility known as the Minor Planet Center, which is located in Cambridge, Massachusetts. If there's even a small potential for a near-Earth object, Lindley receives an automated alert from the Minor Planet Center and other organizations able to determine precise orbital paths. But after all that, then maybe it's more like any other job. The rest of the day can be uh, you know, fairly much like any other uh, program uh, management job here at NASA, overseeing the uh, a variety of projects we have. There are some 50 different projects uh, that uh, we have responsibility for here at the Planetary Defense Coordination Office uh, that go from detection and characterization of these objects all the way to coordinating and planning with other uh, agencies and uh, other space agencies. Lily doesn't just work with NASA centers. He coordinates research with universities and space institutes around the country, as well as international counterparts like the European Space Agency. How does one become a planetary defense officer exactly? That's a long story, but here's the gist of it. Prior to coming to NASA in 2003, Lindley spent 23 years in the Air Force and obtained the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. When he retired from the military, NASA had a job for him. Lindley took what was then the Planetary Astronomy Program, basically an initiative to explore the solar system, and placed more of its focus on the detection and tracking of near-Earth objects. For the last three years or so, 
Lindley's Planetary Defense Coordination Office has been a part of the Planetary Science Division at NASA headquarters. So how much of a threat are these near-Earth objects? Although it's an extremely rare event compared to uh, some other natural disasters that we think of, like hurricanes, for instance, or even uh, even volcanoes, uh, it is a, a, a reality that uh, an asteroid could strike the Earth at, uh, at some point in the future. It's, uh, it's happened a lot in the past, and there are still a lot of objects out there that uh, come close to Earth's orbit, and so it could happen again in the future. Our main activity here and our main defense, if you will, against that is finding out about it as far ahead as we can uh, before it occurs so that uh, we have sufficient time to be able to react to it, uh, determine what uh, uh, can be done and, and be able to implement it. The energy released from an asteroid impact would be catastrophic given the speed these objects are traveling, sometimes as fast as 10 miles a second. The energy release is, you know, equivalent to detonation of a nuclear uh, weapon. Just look at the video from Botswana to see the kind of light show a tiny six-foot asteroid can make. The detection of asteroids is a coordinated effort, but not necessarily a highly structured one. The Minor Planet Center builds a kind of catalog of all the smaller-than-planet-sized objects that are in the solar system. The center notes who officially discovered each object and announces the findings to the rest of the world through their site and other publications. So let's say I find an object from my independent observatory. I can then send that data to the Minor Planet Center, and then the center catalogs this information, combines it with other observatory data, and develops a picture of the orbital path. The Minor Planet Center creates a kind of ultimate map, or master file, of orbits and positional measurements of the minor planets, comets, and asteroids. The center then coordinates follow-up observations, and determines when each object can next be seen from Earth. The organization lists and prioritizes newly discovered asteroids needing more observations. And finding an asteroid can be frustratingly difficult. Some of them are actually very dark objects, uh, almost as dark as a lump of coal. Uh, they don't reflect much light. So uh, they are uh, some of the hardest things uh, to detect in the sky. Uh, so you need very sensitive uh, devices, but also a device that can cover uh, a wide area of the sky to uh, spot these things as they, as they move across the sky. Thirty years ago, asteroid observation was done by traditional imaging technologies available at the time. Astronomers would take a photo of the sky, come back an hour or two later, take another photo, and then maybe repeat this process three or four times in a night. They'd then compare the pictures against each other to detect the movement of the asteroid across the sky. The same comparison principle exists now, but the imaging sequence is being done in an automated fashion by large format CCD cameras. The cameras have greater sensitivity and are able to cover more of the sky more frequently. With a CCD camera, the shutters open for 15 to 20 seconds, and the individual images can be stacked together. With digital processing, you can eliminate the stationary objects in an image and just zero in on the objects that might be moving across the image, like a streaking comet, for example. One astronomical unit represents the average distance between the Earth and our Sun. Any object that comes within 1.3 astronomical units is considered a near-Earth object. And that's what Lindley and his team are looking for. And those are ones that uh, their orbits bring them within 5 million miles of Earth's orbit. Uh, so we have to detect these objects and then get enough observations to be able to compute their orbits and then compare that orbit out over time to determine how close it may come to the Earth's orbit. Uh, in the future to see if they are actually going to be a potential hazardous to the Earth. But asteroids can get even closer, and they even pass between the Earth and the distance to the Moon all the time. At least once a week or so, says Lindley. Most of these objects are quite small, only a few meters in size. 
the Earth's atmosphere, in fact, does a really good job of protecting us from these small, more frequent close approachers. So let's say Lindley and his team come back with a catch of the night. What's next? You know, one thing is, is um, as we discover these things, we need to also understand what their size is. And uh, are they just uh, small ones that the Earth's atmosphere will, um, if they if they enter, it'll break them up and uh, nothing more substantial than small meteorites will, will reach the ground? Or are they large enough that they can withstand those forces as they come through the atmosphere and actually impact on the surface and do some, do some real damage? Uh, then we need to uh, be able to understand what those uh, effects might be based upon the uh, size and also the composition of the objects. So some of our work is also uh, to better understand uh, what the uh, structure uh, and material is uh, in these uh, asteroids. Are they just uh, loose uh, balls of sand, so to speak, or um, are they more substantial rocky material or even uh, metallic in, uh, in composition to help us understand how far they will penetrate into Earth's atmosphere and, and how much the energy release will be if they impact the surface. Lindley and his team then get enough observations on the object over the course of its orbit to truly understand what that orbit is to predict its path as far out into the future as possible. We're able to do with some certainty uh, out to about 100 years into the future if we are, uh, have sufficient observations on the object to uh, understand whether it's going to be coming closer to Earth or whether it's going to be moving further away over the course of time uh, so that then we can narrow down then to those that uh, are true impact uh, hazards and, and find those as far into the future as we can. Some of the help detecting near-Earth objects is coming from folks who have less glamorous titles on their business card than planetary defense officer. A lot of observations are coming from amateur astronomers. Dr. Bruce Betts is chief scientist at the Planetary Society, which is headquartered in Pasadena, California. Bruce leads an organization responsible for engaging and exciting the public about space science and exploration. People have different interests and passions, but we see a, a large portion of people have an interest in keeping the Earth from uh, being hit by an asteroid and having some terrible catastrophic disaster, particularly when we, we try to educate that it's, it's the one large-scale natural disaster that you can actually prevent if you do the work and, and do the efforts. So it's particularly worthwhile, and, and we feel kind of like it should be done. For the past 20 years, the Planetary Society has given out what they call shoemaker grants which fund amateur astronomers primarily to help them upgrade their equipment so they can better track, characterize, and sometimes discover asteroids. These amateur astronomers that, that hunt asteroids are marked by their passion, I would say, and their dedication just to, to get to the level where they're contributing to the professional field and have essentially typically built their own observatories. They've put a lot of their own money and time into it. They're passionate, but they're also have learned to be careful and do things right. And we get people who are really just individuals who literally have built observatories in the their <laughs> backyard. Usually they own a, like a, they're in a rural area away from city lights or their groups. Uh, they'll be 
10 or 20 people who share a passion for astronomy and they've developed an observatory. Uh, and so they they vary beyond that. We've awarded grants to uh, every continent now, except for Antarctica and all over the world, which is very helpful, by the way, when you're trying to track asteroids, because some of them you want to, if you discovered on one side of the world, you want to pick it up a few hours later rather than 24 hours later. And so as the Earth rotates, you get more observations. One man from Illinois, Robert Holmes, has won more of these grants than anyone else. And he actually transitioned from building his own observatory and doing his own observations to becoming a full-time professional and working with NASA. He produces more follow-up observations of near-Earth asteroids than any other observatory on Earth, says Bruce. And this is from his own uh, home-built observatory. With He now has three highly functional telescopes and a whole automated operation going on. So he stands out because of the overall success he's had. But there are people uh, around the world we've funded. Most of the grant money goes to the purchasing of the more sensitive CCD cameras, which can find the dimmer objects. The money has also supported observatories that operate robotically and can be run remotely. What Bruce and his team are looking for when giving out grants? A proven ability to do the work in a setup that makes observations possible. And so if someone proposes that their three-inch Kmart special telescope is going to do something, we're a little dubious. Um, but if they've got a track record, then we're going to believe them more. But then also we're looking at what are they actually proposing for and what is that going to do for them? How is that going to take them to the next level, uh, whether it be more asteroid observations or going to dimmer objects and how will that improve the search? Who are they collaborating with? That type of thing. Bruce has a good relationship with the Planetary Defense Office, where Lindley Johnson works. Betts has been on the organizing committee of the International Planetary Defense Conference, a biannual meeting that brings together world experts to discuss the threat to Earth posed by asteroids and comets. I've been on the organizing committee of the International Planetary Defense Conference almost since its beginning about 20 years ago. And that happens every two years and brings together the world's experts uh, in all aspects of the problem, finding, tracking, characterizing, but also what do you do when you find one, all the way to um, what do you do if you have to evacuate or deal with uh, an actual impact. The Planetary Defense Office is happy to have a group of eager asteroid hunters from around the world. Here's Lindley again. As a matter of fact, there are a number of amateur astronomers around the world uh, that actually are fairly sophisticated in, in some of the equipment that they have uh, that do provide what we call follow-up observations. In other words, after a object has been discovered, then uh, the observers know where to go look based upon the initial orbit uh, that the Minor Planet Center puts out. And so amateur astronomers can uh, track on that orbit and provide observations uh, to the Minor Planet Center that help us to uh, build up our uh, knowledge of the orbit. The more observations we have, the more accurately we can predict that orbit into the future. Detection and characterization are significant aspects of asteroid work. You can't do anything about an asteroid, of course, until you find it. But the Planetary Defense Office is also involved in determining what to do to stop an incoming asteroid, including the development of potential deflection capabilities. This attempt to deflect an asteroid relies upon one simple idea. Lindley Johnson spells it out. 
we just have to change the velocity of the asteroid by a mere fraction of um, its overall velocity, uh, less than 1%, to uh, cause it to be a miss instead of a hit. If we impart that change in velocity um, a few years in advance, then the, the change of velocity will cause its orbit to, to change over time, and it'll be a miss in, instead of a hit. Sounds easy enough, right? In speaking with both Lindley and Bruce Betts, there's basically three ways that you can try and send an asteroid off course. First, kinetic impactors. This option involves sending one or more large, high-speed spacecraft into the path of an approaching near-Earth object. You basically want to smash into it at full speed. After kinetic impactors is another option that sounds equally intriguing, a gravity tractor. With a gravity tractor, you station a spacecraft to one side of the asteroid using the mutual gravitational pull of the spacecraft and the asteroid to slowly move the asteroid off course, like a kind of tug rope. We might even increase uh, that gravitational force by using the spacecraft to go down and grab a large boulder, uh, several tens of ton boulder off the surface, and then park that uh, boulder with the spacecraft uh, in that station-keeping position, and that increases the mass of the uh, tractor, so to speak, uh, for the gravity tractor. And then, of course, there's the nuclear option. And not to blow the asteroid up like uh, you see in all the movies like Armageddon. Uh, what would be done would be to uh, detonate the nuclear device above the surface of the asteroid. Uh, that irradiates, superheats that surface uh, layer on the asteroid and causes that material to eject uh, off the surface. And it's like giving it a shove by a rocket motor in the other direction. So let's take a look at this first option, kinetic impactor. A new mission directed by NASA is the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. DART will be the first demonstration of the kinetic impact technique to change the motion of an asteroid in space. Did you know asteroids have moons? With DART, NASA is going to slam a spacecraft into the tiny moon of a mile-wide asteroid called Didymos, blowing surface off of the rock and therefore changing the velocity. NASA's DART spacecraft is set to launch in late December of 2020 and the impact is set for October of 2022. Ground-based telescopes will make observations, and planetary radar will measure the change in the moon's momentum. There's another kinetic impactor option out there. It's a hammer, just not the kind you might be used to. This one's an acronym, and it stands for Hypervelocity Asteroid Mitigation Mission for Emergency Response. Hammer. Well, let's see. The hammer is a spacecraft. It's probably about five meters long, with sort of a, a squashed box, and uh, it'll have various things like solar panels on it, and the main uh, engine on the back is used at the end of the launch stage, and some sensors on the front, like cameras and radars, so that it can see the asteroid as it's heading that way. This is Mike Owen. He's an astrophysicist and works in the Livermore National Laboratory in Livermore, California. He designs the methods and codes used to model the physical conditions of an asteroid mitigation mission including the characteristics of the asteroid and how, say, a 500-meter-wide asteroid might respond to an impact from the 5-meter-long hammer. That 500-meter-wide asteroid in question is known as 101955-Benu. Larger than five football fields, Benu has a 1 in 2,700 chance of striking Earth on September 25, 2135. And it's estimated that the kinetic energy of this impact could be equivalent to 80,000 times the energy of the Hiroshima bomb. So we want to try and do our homework ahead of time and design this spacecraft for this mission to divert an asteroid if a need ever came up so that we wouldn't see something coming and realize we needed like 10 or 15 years to get ready to have a spacecraft to do the job. 
But the hammer actually offers two options for changing the trajectory of an asteroid. The kinetic impactor can provide you a small amount of push for sort of smaller asteroids, sort of a low-tech bullet, essentially. And if you have something small, say 50 to you know, something up to 100 meters across for an asteroid, and you have enough warning time, so you don't need to push it very hard. The kinetic impactor can be a good, pretty good option for diverting that thing. Now, if you have something much bigger or you have less time, so you need to push it harder, you may need to go with a nuclear device. And the way the nuclear device works is you would have the nuclear device go up and detonate some distance away from the asteroid. So we call this a standoff. So it doesn't actually directly hit the asteroid. Instead, what happens is x-rays from that nuclear device will heat up one side of the asteroid and cause some amount of material to vaporize and blow off. And that material that blows off forms a sort of rocket thrust that will push the asteroid. And it turns out that because these nuclear devices can provide a lot of x-rays and a lot of energy, you can get a much larger effect by doing that. And you can also kind of dial it because you can either set your nuclear device off pretty close to or further away from the asteroid and dial up and down how hard you push it. In addition to the computational modeling provided by Mike and his colleagues, his team also conducts many lab experiments where they take high-velocity gas guns and essentially shoot targets at rocks. Mike and the lab's researchers can measure how much the rock is pushed by an impact or how much material is thrown off the rock to provide an extra push. They're typically sort of like, you know, several meters long, and they fire a very high-velocity target, um, a very high-velocity impactor into a target that's in a big steel chamber, and you have lots of equipment there to measure it. So it's pretty exciting to go see that. Hammer and the earlier-mentioned dart are similar ideas, but different in scale. Hammer's just playing bigger and faster. The dart is moving at about 6 kilometers per second, compared to the hammer's 10 kilometers per second. While the hammer exists only on paper at the moment, its design is coming together. The team understands how the spacecraft works and how much energy is needed. The design is somewhat certain. The big unknown? The asteroids themselves. The impact of a 100-meter asteroid would cause a level of devastation beyond any natural disaster we commonly think of. That is a significant level of responsibility, but not an amount that necessarily stresses Lindley Johnson out. I don't find the technical part of it and finding these things and determining where they're going to, to be really all that stressful. Um, I guess maybe it might be my uh, experience and background in being in the Air Force. Uh, but um, I find the more stressful part of the job is dealing with the uh, uh, what you have to do to justify and uh, keep programs going, uh, you know, in the in the government environment, to, uh, and especially to try to uh, increase the capabilities, uh, justification for increasing the capabilities that uh, I really feel we need to have. There are certainly improvements that could be made. Space-based capabilities, for example, would allow Lindley and his team to detect objects that are further away from the Earth. Getting to space allows you to operate in the infrared part of the spectrum, where objects actually stand out more because they're radiating the heat they absorb from the sun. The field of asteroid detection is filled with misconceptions. Beyond the fact that being an asteroid hunter is a bit more like the movie Office Space and less like the movie Armageddon. Also, Lindley says a major misunderstanding is that asteroids are some kind of secret. There are websites that uh, provide all the the information we have on these objects and their orbits uh, when we predict them to pass close to the Earth, uh, any that uh, have uh, any impact probability, even if it's only uh, you know one in a 
in 100,000. Uh, that data is all uh, available for folks uh, to see uh, on the Center for NEO Studies website that is maintained. As soon as we have the information and the data, it uh, appears there. Uh, something like this, uh, observatories around the world uh, can um, see this data and, and look at it and see the object. Uh, so it's not something that's going to be uh, held in secret from the public. In fact, uh, we feel one of our responsibilities is to uh, get the best information that we know out to the public as fast as we can, as well as, of course, our leadership. In fact, we probably are going to have a race of, of getting the, if uh, something is discovered, of getting the information up and out through our leadership faster than the internet uh, is talking about it. These are big teams. Mike Owens is working with students and postdocs on the simulation of an asteroid impact. Observations are being gathered from around the world by both professional and amateur astronomers, cooperating with NASA, the Department of Energy, Lindley Johnson, the Minor Planet Center, and other international agencies. Asteroids are no secret to them. The more advanced knowledge we have, the better. Here's Bruce Betts from the Planetary Society. Anything that can be done ahead of time in the mitigation front, I think, is is good because uh, right now we're we're not ready to go and so the more we learn the more we'll be set when and it's not if it's when a dangerous asteroid is going to hit earth and if it was anything like the movies we'd be in trouble according to mike owen we wouldn't want to do it the way they did in that movie uh, for one thing they wound up trying to divert the asteroid uh, very late in the game it was close to earth you'd want to really do this a long way away from earth the earlier the better in Armageddon, they had an asteroid that was about the size of Texas, as I recall. We, we probably couldn't do anything about that. We'd be in serious trouble. Uh, but most of them, unfortunately, are not that big. They're much smaller. To find these smaller but still potentially dangerous asteroids, there's a group of grassroots volunteers, unheralded sometimes, but working together, out of passion and a shared sense of duty. If we did have an asteroid threat to the Earth, we would all be facing it. It would be the kind of task where the world would need to work together to understand the threat, to find a way to defend against it. The important work of asteroid detection is being done by eager amateurs, NASA professionals, and scientists and physicists with a desire to share a passion for space exploration, a demonstration of the kind of community needed to solve problems beyond our vision. They might not have the flashiest sounding job titles on their business cards, but they're planetary defense officers in their own way. This has been an episode of Here's an Idea. I'm Billy Hurley. To learn more about the technologies featured in this episode, you can go to techbriefs.com slash podcast, where you can also subscribe to the new Here's an Idea Full Picture newsletter. The Full Picture gives you photos, facts, and follow-ups related to technologies you've just heard about. We want to hear from you. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts and send feedback to podcasts at techbriefs.com. <laughs>